0: Welcome to the podcast. This is the Peak Provider NDIS podcast. My name is Chris Hall, your host, and today I've got Garth Bellick with me. Now, Garth is the founder of PayCat, which is a really cool solution uh, that processes payroll for NDIS providers, amongst many other things. Um, And today we're going to talk about some of the recent price guide changes, how that relates to the Shads Award, what are some of the gaps that providers might uh, typically uh, be missing um, or unaware of from things like an allowance perspective, and just generally speaking, what the road um, ahead is. So, uh, Garth, welcome to the podcast. It's really a pleasure to have Thank you very on. very much for your to Yeah, no, it's going to be cool. So, um, look, we're recording this um, July 2023. So, you know, from a price guide point of view, um, we've just had some changes. Um, it's been just over a 5% increase for some of the personal care and community access, sil hourly rates, etc. And some things have not increased, such as support coordination, which is a bit of a shocker. Um, Mm. But, um, you know, there's kind of like a bit of a mixed feeling um, amongst the industry, right? So, you know, we've had inflation some months up to 7% or more. And, um, you know, I think that generally speaking, from just the inflationary environment that we've had, um, my personal opinion would be that, gosh, you know, 5% doesn't quite cut it. um, And whilst it can be great that we can, You know, charge a bit more in terms of what we can claim from plans there is also the other side of the equation which are which is what do we have to pay our staff so i'd love to kind Mm. of get your insight you know what what's going on what are the changes from a shad's point of view in terms of what providers have to pay disability workers
1: yeah no good question so i think from memory like i was reading the other day about fair work and they said that you know, since the Fair Work system came in place, which I think is about 2010, uh, it's been the largest CPI increase we have had. So right. um, the, the across-the-board increase has been 5.75%, and usually we only sort of see 2 or 3% each year. So it's definitely been the biggest uh, increase that we've seen in recent memory. And, uh, you know, our providers out there are, you know, most typically they're probably on level 2, pay point one. So to put it in perspective, you um, they were paying, like if you were under disability, for example, they were paying $38.08 per hour for a casual pay point, like level two pay point one. Mm -hmm. That's moved to $40.26. So it's it's $2 an hour. It sounds like the margin that a provider's making has been maintained, but as you said, you know, that hasn't been applied to support coordination. who would also be getting those increases. So, you know, in, in some you know, it sounds like in some situations that the provider's been left out of pocket, and other times it's been passed on. Um, the home care level two pay point one is another area that has changed a little bit. They they introduced a an age care variation to to the rates now. So essentially, what this was was. Fair Work came across the board and said aged care workers across the board need to get a 15% increase. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting the 5.75, they got 15. And um, what I meant for Shad's is that you have people that are doing aged care underneath home care. So I might be caring for the elderly in their home. um, And I may not. And if I am, I'm getting 15% more. So in real terms... If I'm under the home care sector of the award at the moment, it's just a normal uh, home care engagement. It's thirty two dollars and eight cents for a level two P.1. one. That's thirty six dollars eighty nine if if it's aged care. So I've heard some movement in the industry about you know employees wanting to favour employees now that do aged care work because it's just an automatic fifteen percent increase in their wage so
0: yeah so like yeah. What, so what what did, in practical terms you mentioned some of the pay points there so it could be approximately 41 dollars for a, you know for disability now and what what yeah now that we've leapt up 15 percent what might be a i know each pay point varies but like what might be a typical uh, wage that someone might get um, in aged care
1: yeah so 36.89 okay an hour yeah
0: okay so it is actually
1: less still than than disability yeah, it is. It is. But, and I think the 15% was about sort of catching it up to equate to that a little bit. They were, they were fairly mm-hmm. way behind. But, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. The, the things we don't know yet are, you know, as we know, it's all appointment-based stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I have an aged care employee uh, worker, sorry, let's start again. If I have an aged care client uh, and that aged care client is the second appointment of the day and the other two are not aged care, mm-hmm you just get the high rate for that appointment or do you get it for the whole day or well you- that, that's a bit of a challenge isn't it because
0: then we go yeah contracts. we don't really know yet yeah. so yeah. you know that, that hasn't
1: been tested so um, right. very, i'm very i'm waiting to hear uh from fair work about that one you know about-
0: okay okay that is that is interesting and even in the disability side there are Kind of um I forget the exact names you might be able to help me on this, but there are two sort of fundamental options, aren't there, for the um for which uh category you pick for disability. And yeah. you know, even that is a bit of a point of contention. I I speak to general managers of quite large providers and they've given me they've said, Oh yeah, we know, like we've had legal advice on that. We can't get a clear answer yeah. from fair work. So, you
1: know, yeah, it is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so there's actually four branches of the award, there's there's um what we call SACs, social and community services and I said yeah underneath that there's disability and then there's home care as well. Yes. Uh and it's a little grey to work out. So um where sometimes it's very clear cut on on one or the other, sometimes it's not. And um yeah and that's where you know you have to rely on fair word determinations and consultants and case law and all that sort of stuff to get that right. So well, you do. And ah. There's also
0: that wonderful tool, isn't there, with Fair Work, the, um, the the pay rate finder, where you can actually read, and people should, you know, read the exact descriptions because, yeah. you know, sometimes if you're doing stuff basically that's personal care at home, but also access to the community, then um, yeah. there might be a case to be made to say social community is the one that you should use. But if you're just doing yeah. stuff at home for people, then yeah. depending on what you want to pay people, that can be just a fraction, I think, more efficient to go to the other yeah.
1: options. Yeah, definitely. The, you're referring to the paying conditions tool, which is, uh, mm. you know, it, it contains details about rates and rates of pay and all that sort of thing. It's fair mm. work service. But it does go into the definitions of each classification as well. And, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes it, it does require you just being a little, like, finessing through that and picking what's right. And sometimes it's the best fit. You know, I think people look at this stuff wanting the exact answer. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What am I primarily doing? Mm. You know, it's is often the answer. Here's one
0: thing that I, I was chatting to another GM about. It was quite an interesting point. You know, the whole like pay point one, pay point two. And and, mm. and the idea is that I think I believe after, is it 12 months that if you demonstrate that competency and that you have yeah. progressed to the next level, then you are, a, you're meant to be actually progressing to that next pay point. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. So there's, It's a The the pay point progression is a reasonably complicated area. We've got a blog on our website actually about um, just some of the examples of it. You're right. It's not an automatic. You know, some awards, like if I'm an apprentice, I would work for, you know, 12 months. I'm going to move on to my next stage of apprenticeship. Shads isn't like that. It it is more about, you know, you're eligible after 12 months, but you've got to demonstrate the competencies as well. So it's not an automatic thing where you should just be setting it up to, roll the rate over after 12 months it's got to be it's sort it of, sort of trigger a review after Correct. 12 months of where you're at
0: yeah exactly because again for people's emphasis the, the level and within a level you've got pay points and then you can progress yes. within the level by a pay point and then sometimes yeah. depending you might progress to the next level and then you kind of reset to pay point one and then you yeah. progress but the, the, the kind of insight that was um the conversation that i had was um basically providers equally shouldn't freak out um, that you know they shouldn't get in the mindset of oh gosh I've got to do this automatically every year. Like yeah. if a support worker genuinely is just continuing to deliver um, yeah. the consistent duties, then you can I believe keep them on that same pay point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, if if it matches that, so yeah. it's often that we see two point one. Uh, like I use that as an example before. Mm-hmm. It's because it's by far and wide the most common um, classification we see people on. It seems to be the one that fits most job descriptions for support workers. Correct. So.
0: Now, then there's also the other thing of like, whether people are paying above award or not, right? So if you go to like an agency such as Higher up, they they strategically choose, they publish it on the website and say, we choose to pay at this level, um, pay point, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you know, but we choose to pay above that award, right? So like when, with the recent changes of the 5% or, or so, I think it's also important for providers to reflect on two things, you know, are you already paying above the award? Um, and if you are, then you've you got a bit, a bit of a business and also an ethical choice, don't you? Because yes, it has been an inflationary environment. So if you come from the heart, you might go, gosh, we want to support our you know, our, our team to have a higher wage. Um, yeah but, but you know, from a, I guess from a legal obligation point of view, you're what you're already in your contracts. If they were previously above award, you might just need to check like you might already be paying your staff sufficiently
1: yeah it's uh, i think with the you got to look at the impetus for people wanting to pay a higher rate of pay so correct the, the most common thing we come across is th- there's two reasons really one is that there's a market rate out there for doing things and i yeah. can't get an employee under under the award rate so i'm going to pay higher and we see that often with sleep over answers like you know it's hard to fill a shift when you're paying 50 yes. odd dollars for an overnight shift. So you often see people pay 75 to 100, you know, and pay a higher rate of pay. The other reason, and this is probably more common, especially for Shads, it's a really complicated award. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, like, it's it's one of the more complicated awards in Australia. Um, And it's being, trying to be interpreted by an industry that Mm -hmm. are typically made up of small businesses. So, you know, you're dealing with a very complicated award, and they're not people that have a career in payroll. So the, the simplest way to to deal with it is to say, well, you know what? I'm going to pay overs. And hopefully that covers everything I need to do under the award. So I'm going to keep my wages really simple. Right. Just by paying overs, you know? I'm not going to worry about these allowances or or these penalty rates. I'm just going to pay an extra whatever per hour. Right. Now, that, that's that's quite a, a sound approach. But but you got to remember this there's, there's two outcomes of it. Um, one is that you know what what Fair Work is saying under the award is here's the absolute minimum you have to pay an employee. This is the absolute minimum. Mm-hmm. So unique to SHADs is you got a billing system as well that's loosely based on what the rules of the award are as well. Mm-hmm. So so like NDIS price rates and things like that they sort of based on the same rules, loosely. I'm not saying they're, they're dollar. I wish they were, but they're not perfect, but they're loosely based on the same rules. So um, so um what you get is a situation where people want to pay it over, and there's one of two outcomes. Either you're paying too much in wages. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. You're trying to simplify your payroll, but you're actually paying too much, <laughs> which comes straight off your bottom line. Well, the second thing is you're underpaying. Yep. Because... Yep the underlying complexity might mean they were meant to get something higher. They are meant to get maybe an overtime rate that you missed or you know, a penalty for not having enough of a break between two shifts or these these subtle things that you might miss. And they're both not good outcomes for the business. Right? They're both, they're both unprofitable outcomes. One's a compliance issue, the other's a profitability issue. Mm-hmm. So unless you have a really strong case of, hey, I can't afford labour or mm-hmm. I can't get labour at the award rates, that's I think a, a really sound reason to pay overs, but trying to use it to simplify payroll, not worthwhile.
0: That's very interesting point of view. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, my yeah. my my just gut instinct says 41 bucks ain't bad.
1: Like that's pretty good. It's better pretty than good. working at, pretty better than working yeah. at Maccas. Like, you yeah. know, it's decent. Often shift work too. So like we're adding we're adding loadings to these ways. I say too. that's
0: the base rate.
1: Yeah, it's not evening yeah. Saturday,
0: Sunday, you know, the whole lot.
1: So Um, The other
0: interesting thing I'd say, just to add on to your point, is that if you pay above award because you're thinking that you're simplifying things, you've got two strategic issues that you expose yourself to. Every new financial year, you're going to have to Mm -hmm. do this dance that we're talking about, Um, and that's a bit of a pain in the ass, right? Um, excuse my crude language, but it's just true. It's a pain. (laughs) Um, And then when it comes to a disgruntled employee for whatever reason that maybe leaves or resigns or let's say performance, you know, review them out, you can almost guarantee that, you know, should we say the savvy ones are going to go, oh, what about this? What about that pay? I would deserve this and you didn't pay me this then. And then, and the reason I mentioned that is that the amount of manual labor from, you know, the director point of view, the owner, the accountant and all that, to go through, let's say, the previous one to two years of pay slips um, and actually reverse engineer what mm-hmm. the heck happened and whether you did pay them what, enough. What should that's, then pay? Yeah. that's so much effort. That's so much effort. Yeah. And you might go, actually, you're wrong, but we spent, you know, a thousand dollars of labor figuring that out, or you're right, and here's yeah. 50 bucks,
1: you know. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's well intentioned, but you know, uh technology's caught up, you know, yes. and, and the tools out there now that you can you can throw a pretty simple timesheet into the system and get an award compliant result. And mm-hmm. so it's it's no longer a, a necessity. Back in the days where we, you know, you'd get a paper timesheet put on your desk and you might have had MIAB or you know, QuickBooks or Zero. I'm I'm talking 10 or 15 years ago. Try to work all this stuff out at a spreadsheet's hard. You know, mm-hmm. you've got mm-hmm. you've got different allowances that trigger, you've got, you know, people people sort of They've been in this for fifteen or twenty years. will know what I'm talking about. If you had mm-hmm. all these columns on a spreadsheet, you break a formula, you know all this stuff. That's hard. So I, I get traditionally why people have gone. You know what? Let's just pay. I don't know five bucks more than we should. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, we'll just simplify all this, and we might pay Sunday rates, but we'll keep it really simple. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that that argument the no longer stacks up.
0: Look, sometimes know. it's the right thing. Sometimes it's not. I think it's just a quandary, right? Like you know. Yeah. um E- equally, because I coach people all the time on how to scale the businesses, I can tell you it's such a common story that net profitability before tax is just too low. Like so many providers mm. are either making a loss or just making even um, you know, and what I teach about is that people should be ideally making 10 to 15 percent profit after all tax as a minimum. Um, and you know, that even things like five percent profits really dangerous because you can, you know, if everything mm. was to stop. In terms of your, um, you know, your income streams, and you still had your overheads, and you have to pay your staff and all that. If everything had to stop, when you're only making five percent profit, you last three yeah. weeks as a business. I've done the maths on this; you last three weeks. That's terrifying. You need to have way more oxygen in the in the coffers and the war chest and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. what you're saying could, I think, offer a lot of wisdom in terms of maybe, especially since things have increased quite healthily, in my view. Maybe there's a case to be saying you should be just paying at the award rate and using yep. an efficient technological solution to to to, to right. account for all the allowances, so you're not even overpaying on that.
1: I I, I think that's that's the way to go, and I, I think like most of our clients that we deal with, they they want to pay award rate. So that's the intention. Mm-hmm. So in most cases, when we come across a new client that's come across another system or something, they say to us, "I want to pay the award." but they've been getting maybe their their interpretation of the award might be a little bit off or mm-hmm. they might have been getting it wrong in the old system or something like that. So, mm. you know, it, it's it's most people's intention they want to pay the award. It's, it's, it's the exception that they want to pay more and, and, and relax yeah. conditions and allowances. Yeah, I just think it's, a, you know, what, what you might think is a well-intentioned thing to simplify your business it ends up being a lot more complicated than it should be.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly let me let me do my best i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna self-impose a quiz on myself and you can you can give me a mark yeah Yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna give my best at reeling off spontaneously some of the allowances that people may or may not be aware of right so you you got things like the split shift allowance and that's whether or not you've got a shift in the morning shift in the afternoon it's either like a split shift allowance for one or two shifts or three shifts sorry Um, And that's like that can be, you know, quite a bit of money that adds up to many thousands. You've got that. Mm. Um, You've got the uniform allowance, meal allowance, overtime things that are very rule based. If you're doing a sleepover, it's how many, what's the minimum amount of hours that you get paid, even if you only have to get up for 30 minutes. And then you've got calculating how much time exactly you were up, how that links to, you know, uh, the maximum 10 or 12 hour shifts that you're meant to do. All there's lots. have I, you know, that's, again, just reeling off and gurgitating them. Have I roughly kind of got a fair spectrum of the type of allowances that are out there?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, um, the, there's, look, I think there's there's categories. There's high-level categories. Sure, that sure. To simplify things. So the one you touched on at the first, air, we, we call them broken shift allowances. Broken this shift allowances, yeah. Where you mentioned you're actually counting the breaks between shifts. Mm-hmm. And this is something specific to disability. So... Let's go back to our award sectors for a second. Social and community services is disability and Mm non-disability. And this is another thing where we talk about home care versus SACS, right? This Mm -hmm. is only applicable on the SACS side of things. But you get get an allowance counting the number of breaks between shifts. Mm -hmm. So it's appointment-based work. If you put on... Say three appointments in a day, it means you have two gaps in between. Yep. Um staff now from one July 2022, so it's only pretty fresh. They get um a rate per hour. It's about 20 bucks, a rate per hour for having one break, and they get 25 bucks or more for two breaks
0: so that's really interesting that's actually a bit people go oh that's not right i'll just cough it up but when you do the maths on that 20 times five times 52 weeks of the year that's more than five
1: grand yeah it was not popular when it came in and again well-intentioned piece of legislation i'm sure everybody out there listening would disagree but what they were trying to do is to say hey well hang on you know there's this sort of gap in these people's day where they can't really do anything they just got to wait around to the next shift um, let's reimburse them for it. They didn't really think about how it applies, and it's one of the areas in particular that doesn't really translate into the NDAS pricing system either. No, so, it like it's, yeah, you know, there's no, there's no extra you can build for that situation. So, it, it, it's one thing where, I, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's one thing I think where, you know, your rostering and and more specifically your shift planning mm-hmm. needs to be sophisticated enough that it picks that stuff up. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that you can go, you know what? I want to actually give that shift to another employee who's only had one shift today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Save myself five bucks. You know, yes, yes, I you
0: do. I, I, I think, I mean, fundamentally, I think it is fair to the employee. So I'm not questioning that. It's more like as a business coach, I I kind of advise people to say, think long and hard about what your ideal customer is. Right. So you yeah. know, if you're doing other types of shifts where it's not the um, the short shifts, you can you can basically have enough for for a a full full day you know a full day for a certain employee let's say let's say you're a parent during school hours and that's your support worker you know they they can only fit in five hours right so they they might be happy with a full five hour shift for the day and that's it and then there's no split shifts and all that jazz um you know so like that that basically that five grand per fte you're probably going to have you know hundreds of like Participants and that kind of stuff. So it can, if that applies to all yeah. of your business, you are significantly reducing your profit margin.
1: Um, Absolutely, mm. especially when, when when we think it. Well, it doesn't really translate in an extra billing. No,
0: it know. really doesn't. Yeah, exactly. So I sort of
1: all these things, I, I sort of call them controllable costs. Right, they're they're things that mm. if you plan your issues out properly, you can save money. Yes, um, and remember, go back to what we said at the start. What the awards telling us is the bare minimum we have to pay an employee. Mm-hmm. So these allowances are the bare minimum, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to pay a higher rate and absorb these things up, you can, Mm. but the minimum you got to pay. So if you can avoid these costs, you go for it. Another one that you mentioned there was about, you know, the the high level category we call minimum shifts. And this is where we're saying a shift has to go for a certain duration. And if it doesn't, they get bonus hours. So is it
0: three hours? Oh, I forget, is it three hours under shards for disability? Yeah,
1: so so SACS is three hours. So that's yep. that's the social and community services is three hours. Disability under SACS is two, and all okay. the other ones are two. Okay. Home care. So what we're saying is if I give somebody say yeah. I'm under home care, if I give somebody an hour and a half shift, they get a bonus half hour of pay. Correct. You don't get paid for that bonus half hour. They exactly. do not. Exactly. Is the, so, the gap
0: between billing and and yeah, yeah. pay?
1: So again, you want a big warning flag when you're doing your rostering, right? To say, "Hey, I've got a situation here. Where I haven't given somebody a full two-hour shift. Mm-hmm. Is there something I can do about it?" Sometimes there isn't, of course, mm-hmm. but is there something I can do about it? Can I turn that into a two-hour appointment? Can I have two one-hour appointments that are, you know, in close quarters, mm-hmm. living together, that can drive from one to the next straight away? You know, like it, you Know, I'm, I'm in practical terms. Is there something I can do to actually fill out that shift to make it two hours that are both billable hours? Bruce mm-hmm. utilization of your staff. Um, the, the other category that and this gets really complicated is the sleepover. Sleepover is a really difficult area, not only because it's got the shift work rules involved, yep. and people often get them wrong. Um, but it's also got this minimum shift thing. So what happens with the sleepover
0: Mm.
1: most commonly is I do a little bit of work. Then I have my sleepover portion Mm -hmm. then I do a little bit more work. And what happens with those little bits of work either side of the sleepover shift is at least one of them has to be four hours long. Yes. At least one of them. Mm -hmm. And so what you want to do is if if you make one side of it, two hours and one side of it, three hours, Mm -hmm. this three hour bit, gets paid at four hours. Mm-hmm. And again, you want to know about that. Yes. But maybe you can convince a client to, you know, shorten this and lengthen that. Yep. Or that, that kind of thing. So um you know it, that's that's a really subtle thing, but it, it geez. It, oh it's if huge. you're doing this on repeat. Oh, yeah, it's huge, it's huge. Oh,
0: I'll tell you what, like I've been the director of a SIL provider um South Coast and and you know what I know from experience is that if you, yeah. say, for example, overcharge and you and you go too long on your shifts and you do that for, say, two hours for 11 months of the year, just that extra couple of hours, that can mean that month 12, the civil participants got no bloody budget left, right? It can yeah. really wreck a budget when you're doing 24-7 yeah. care. Like it, it, it's yeah. noble. So that kind of stuff's crucial. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom in, in basically – All of your team, from sales to intake to the rostering manager, the owner and directors of the business, they just have to have that strategic knowledge so they don't muck it up in terms of what they agree to, right? And then, of course, I think there's a technological side where, you know, billing solutions, payroll solutions, they can, you know, give warning flags as well um, to try and, you know, correct um, the
1: situation. Um, so, I mean, let's talk about... Yeah, the- good, yeah. good rostering, good, like good roster management and stuff is critical, right? Like, Yes. A, a lot of this stuff, you want to... Yeah, what we always say to clients is you you want to know this stuff before the shift set. Because if mm-hmm. you try and do this on payday, it's already happened. Yes. There's nothing I can do about it at this point. I've got to pay that bonus hour, mm-hmm. But if I know about it ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know, plan to fail, fail to plan, it's, you know, it, it's really true in this industry. It comes down to rostering and making sure that you've got a system in place that's gonna warn you when these things pop up. Yes, exactly. So let's talk
0: systems, right? So like, you know, everyone's on a different journey and in different stages. Um, I think there's kind of three stages of evolution in my mind. I think stage one is the Excel, do everything on a spreadsheet manual stage, right? Stage two is some kind of rostering system that's ideally connected to your accounting system. And then stage three are specific Shad of payroll systems. So, you know, in that stage one, it's it's a lot. It's very labor intensive to actually try and figure out all this stuff, and you could be exposing yourself to underpaying your staff, right? So, yeah. I I think I hope it's pretty clear to people that you can't scale um, on spreadsheets, right? You need to at some stage go to a, a you know rostering system, and then I suppose like stage two is when you've got there's lots of systems out there: You're Zango, Visual Care, NYP. There's there's various ones um, to name yeah. a few. And what they'll do is they'll have the core rostering function. It's got all the stuff like the apps for the staff to check into the shift. And it's cool. Like, you need that just to roster. And then when people ask me all the time, oh, how can I get better at my billing? I often say two things. I said this in a webinar last night. I said, look, make sure you've got bare minimum and a bloody good rostering system. Make sure it's connected, ideally, uh, perhaps to your accounting system like Xero or NYB." Yeah. And rather than, you know, rather than um, necessarily billing, you know, every fortnight, if you get that stuff together and you have your staff just doing timesheets in real time per shift, you actually have the ability to bill on a weekly basis. And that can really impact your cash flow in a very positive way, because yeah. just by getting your IT right, right? So, you know, yeah. and then, and of course, that important piece of one way or another, ideally connecting the accounting payroll process uh, together with the rostering system. So yeah that 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 is a great evolutionary point to be at I think that's a celebration to go from excel to that um, and yeah. but you and I know and I'd like to unpack this a little bit that a lot of the rostering systems will say they've got a shads award interpreter and um, but that actually doesn't fully it's not actually fully the case they'll, they'll, they'll have certain things that they cover but there'll be a variety of nuances and allowances like we're alluding to
1: that can actually yeah. fall between the cracks yeah yeah, you, you hit the nail on uh, the head. I think where the focus of these systems are is getting NDIS pricing correct. Right. You know, and they do a really good job of that. Yeah, you know, billing. So, the billing so, side is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, and you and I both know, and we just talked about and shifts as a really classic example, like there are things in payroll that are completely at odds with NDIS billing and how that works. Right. So um, I, 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 look, I'm going to get some fruit thrown at me by the people listening that are <laughs> selling these platforms. These platforms are really good at what they do. Yep. What they do isn't payroll. And if they say they do payroll, um what they really mean is that they're interpreting the basics. Yep. And, and that's like, I'm being really fair in what I'm saying there. Like if, it was tested against an industrial lawyer or fair work or something. I don't think it's a stack up and I, I haven't really seen, like I haven't even really seen uh, a client using deputy get it right. So what it means is there's two situations. You, you can completely rely on the results of that system and you're just getting your pays wrong. Or mm-hmm. you've got a really competent payroll administrator who knows the rules of the Shads Award and they, they are out there mm-hmm. and they're having to manually fix things up on payday to get it right. Correct. The, you know they're aware of the shortfalls of their system, and they have to go into their zero or their MIB or whatever they're importing into and make those changes and get it right. And that works for a little while. Two things can happen: one is that person leaves, yep. and all of a sudden, you know, I need that competent person with twenty years power knowledge to get it right. Or two, they're they're in there making these changes, and all of a sudden, this business grows. Like yes, I mean you can you can tell the same story we see Shad's businesses go. I've got a friend of mine started Shad's business in uh, NDOS business in um, 12 months ago. Mm -hmm. He just invited me to his 12 month party the other week. And I set him up on our software 12 months ago and he had six staff. Mm -hmm. I got it set up in a couple of hours and just talked about what he wants and, you know, and off he went. He had 42 people at the party. Wow. And Look, that's really successful, but you see that so often that you do. Yeah. You have these like startup situations where they're just bang. Yep. All of a sudden you've got 50 staff. Yeah. 50 staff's yep. a big company, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so if you if you're doing a whole bunch of manual stuff, if you're doing the per employee stuff yep. in your pay cycle, yep. it doesn't scale. Correct. Like you you basically need to be able to import the time sheets and trust the result. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so just going back to like those systems, those systems are great. They're good for time capture. They're really good for case notes. They're really good for getting the billing right. And if it integrates to the accounting system and creates a bill, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they they should be user-friendly. They should be something that maybe tracks the location of the employee when, so that you substantiate the bill and like all that sort of stuff in a really good care management system. When it comes to payroll, beyond using it as a timesheet entry, mm-hmm. I would – Error on the side of caution.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Um, and look, I, I, I've um, you've shown me a, a system demo of PayCat, Your know, your solution and what you do there, and that you know, yeah. let's just kind of get it clear in people's minds. Basically, I recommend to providers that at a minimum they've got a rostering and billing system, like we talked about. Yeah. The next evolution is 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 you, you basically can bolt on a, a solution like PayCat. Um, and you've got sort of two ways that you can use it. You can either download excels and, and use that you know to easily upload a csv file into paycat and then and then process it and, and paycat will pick up all of the nuances that we're talking about um, and yeah. sometimes there are integrations where the systems talk talk to each other <coughs> already depending on the connections so yeah. like what we're talking about to put it simply is that you've got to like get it out of your minds that something like zero is doing the payroll instead is it correct to say that you're basically connecting your rostering system one way or another with PayCat and then it's PayCat yeah. that's issuing the pay slips and processing things.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So so we have two kinds of customers. One, that they have a care management system like we're talking about, you know, yeah. visual care, care, MYP, all those types of products. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They'll import their timesheets every week into PayCat and then the payroll system will interpret based on the Shads Award mm-hmm. with, with all these nuanced things that we're talking about and give you the compliant result. Yeah. So, I think that's the best of both worlds because you get good, you know, good NDIS billing and and case management and all that sort of stuff in your scheduling, mm-hmm. in your software, and you're getting the compliant payroll result. At that point, you're replacing zero Payroll or MYB, the payroll part of it. So you can still use accounting, but you don't need that, that payroll module anymore. It sits in there. And we're just sending across a journal mm-hmm. to use an accounting term. In, in the accounting system to say, this is what happened on payday. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, the pay slips and everything is sent from our system. Right. Um, yeah. So the other side of things is where, and we come across this quite a lot with SIL providers and things like that. They don't necessarily need a care management system as such. Mm-hmm. There'd be a business case of getting one, but, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people decide, you know what, we don't need one. Mm-hmm. Well, they go in and they use our rostering and time and tenants and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's not a billing system, but you know, it it does have rostering and tracking. And it will, you know, when you're rostering, it will give you all these costs and all these warnings about, you know, these potentially controllable costs. We're talking about this in this seminar. Um, and that's another option. So uh we we've had clients more recently come to us and say, you know, we kind of want the best of both worlds. And the best of both worlds is probably where you have. Your care management system that's in place. It's primarily what staff use in their shift day in, day out. It captures all the timesheets, everything like that. But when you're planning out your schedule in that system, just quickly go in, export your roster, import it into Paycat and have a look at these warnings. And just yeah. go in and go, you know what? I can see that there's a broken shift here. This guy's going to go into overtime over here. Yep. Make a few adjustments once you see those things and then roll out your roster, you know? I think that's probably the best of both worlds approach to, to your tech stack. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly, no, I, I agree. Um, and, and what's interesting is that, again, we talk about business case, right? So you mentioned your friend, 12-month journey. Um, yeah. Like, fundamentally, it you know, there'll be a, a few dollars you pay uh, for a payroll session per employee, you know, to use a, a service like PayCap. But as you scale, there's an inflection point where, the cost of the software is significantly lower than the manual labor that it that it takes mm. a bookkeeper or your accountant to do, right? So like fundamentally that's that's yeah. the, that's the that's the literally the dollar business case. um and yeah. and it's also a more reliable thing because it's kind of like it's kind of like AI can do things more reliably than humans, basically. like the software yeah. gets it right every time. Uh, yeah. and there's, there's no risk of human error. So I think it's literally dollar business case and reducing your risk as a business.
1: Yeah, you're right. It, it is rules-based, right? So like right. if, if you right, it's going to use that rule every time. And it, and it never takes a day off and doesn't have a key. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what you say. But the the other thing to consider like is the on the other side of things, that, that bookkeeper with all that knowledge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you need to retain that bookkeeper. Like you, you see people in really... Desperate situations where that bookkeeper's left or retired or <laughs> and they're the only person in that organization with all that knowledge that they they require to get payroll right. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what also makes me think
0: of? You know how, like, if I just do a quick screenshot here, I look at the zero yeah. pricing and like, you know, I'm yeah. I'm used to paying this one that's called premium and it says $76 a month, you know, that's one I've got, right? Yeah. Um, and that says payroll for up to five people. I suppose what's cool about the pay cat approach is that. Because PayCats doing the payroll, you you yeah. you don't need the the constraints of what Zero is allowing you to pay people, so to speak. You can go with like the cheaper version of of Zero, essentially, and not have to sign up for some kind of expensive enterprise grade. Is that is that a fair statement? Like you can basically have the more basic yeah. Zero subscription.
1: Yeah, so it lets you just put the accounting on without paying extra for payroll. So if you're using Zero for accounting, keep using it. You'll find that that'll save you. I don't know. I think it's four dollars or something. Zero charge for payroll per employee. Per employee, um,
0: right? So that's not nothing. Yeah. That adds up as you scale, right?
1: They also uh, tap out at two hundred employees. So oh, really? For zero, yeah. So like we often get clients get to that point where they're like, you know, what well, I've got one hundred eighty employees. Mm-hmm. You know, zero's tapped us on the shoulder and said, "Hey, you need to look at something else." um so i remember that now you've mentioned that before and that's such yeah. a bloody shame
0: because i were other ones don't have that cap but you know personally i used to use nyob and i think it's a bit of like a clunky old sap like solution that you know it may be good and it may be comprehensive but i just love the ease of use of things like xero so everyone's got the personal flares but i suppose what you're saying here is that if you chose to do paycat and you love xero and you choose xero um we don't have that scaling limit of 200 employees anymore because we've found in a different way.
1: And the way it, it is priced on a per user model. So oh, sure. um and it, I should talk about this because it's called an active employee. So an active employee is somebody who's been paid.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. Right. So yeah, yeah, you're monthly, making but, money. Right. You're making money and they're yeah. only cost you when you're making money, so to speak. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So we often get clients that have like a larger database of employees than they're right. actually paying for Fortnite. I might right. have a hundred on the books, but I'm paying 80. Mm-hmm. So they get paid for 80. You know, yeah. so essentially the Price of the payroll goes up and down as as your billing goes up and down. Yep, yep. That, that, look at it.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hmm. But love it. Um. Well, listen, Gotham. I I said that we'll probably keep this to a fairly shorter one. And um, I think that in terms of like you know next steps and all that stuff, the, the the thing that I want to make people aware are two things. Like what I do in the NDIs is I help provide a scale through sales and marketing projects. That often leads yep. to very deep strategic conversations about profitability in your business and how the heck you're going to do it. Like my background is is that i'm originally an it professional that happens to have specialized in the ndis for the last 5 years um yeah. and the reason i'm mentioning all of that is that you know like i'm very happy to have conversations with providers to to do that um what's the word kind of that that i'm your coach in the court in your corner sort of thing to make help you make the right decision and You know, I can imagine that Paycat would be a great solution for many people, but rather than just immediately pushing him towards you, I just want to say to people, you know, feel free to get in contact because I think that these conversations are often IT-based and their business strat-based on the fundamentals of how you're going to grow your business. So, you know, people are welcome. I encourage people to get in contact with your business straight away, but that's just to put that offer out there too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Look, it's it's, a... It's a system, obviously, where, you know, my background, I'm a chartered accountant by trade, actually. Yeah, Yep. But the fact that I got into software, it's kind of, I saw this product come along, you know, 10 years ago, and I thought, wow, this is actually, you know, having a rules-based approach to payroll back then was unheard of. (laughs) So I kind of went, you know what, I'm... Gonna take away my successful career in uh, tax and accounting and audit and all these sorts of things, and I'm just gonna focus on this. So uh, I, I am I'm an end user of my own product. I actually believe in it, mm-hmm. and um, I think for for Shad's, you know, the the if I can leave you with any thought, it's a complicated award. If the award scares you, if it's if you bunk it down on payday, spending a lot of time getting your pays out and getting it mm-hmm. right. And you hit that button and say send pay slips and you're not that comfortable with what you've just sent. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that feeling of angst. It's it's a good solution, right? And the a lot of what we spoke about today is just getting you, those controllable costs in wages down. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be the difference between a profit and a loss.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. just having the tools in place to be able to spot these things can make a massive difference in business are hugely and one thing
0: again like i've got a small provision business myself as well as being a coach it's on the central coast and like you know i've i've used your content you know as a business owner and i think it's wonderful so oh, like, cool. I'll, I'll put this um yeah i'll put this in the in the show notes there's a wonderful uh downloadable guide that PayCap does um that you know um it's on the screen now and i'll put it in the link below couldn't recommend it enough for people because it just gets it does what it says on the tin gets the jargon free. The, you know, aspect of things and makes it easier for providers to connect with. So, yeah, really recommend that product.
1: Yeah, thanks for the plug, Chris. It, it, that's a really popular uh, document. We, we sort of had a client the other day say to me, um, you know, they just signed on with this a client in South Australia, and they said, I've actually been on your site about 300 times because every time we do payday, we go to the blog and <laughs> read your blog. And sure enough, I looked at his analytics and he had about 300 views on our site, so I, th- I think I think probably a lot of people have in the industry have seen that document now, and it's been shared around. Really, really popular. Yeah. Um, and we're actually in the middle of just updating it for the new financial year. So Fantastic. jump on and grab that if you haven't already. And yeah, yeah, good place to start.
0: Fantastic. Well, listen, look, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. Gar, thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, a pleasure. Um, Thanks, having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And uh, just as a reminder, my name's Chris Hall from Peak Provider. If you're interested in scaling your business, sales and marketing-wide, get get in touch at peakprovider.com.au and Garth Bullock of paycat.com.au. Great to have you on today, sir.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate
0: it.